0: Hey, fam. Welcome to a special Black Star Film Edition of Love and Grit. I'm Laia.
1: I'm Justin. And
0: I'm Rachel. Listen, folks, this week marks the 10th anniversary of the Black Star Film Festival, one of our favorite weekends of the year. Today on the show, we speak with a few of the dope directors being featured in this year's lineup. They also just happen to be from Philly. First, we speak with Aiden M. Un and Rashad M. Hartnett, the unlikely duo who joined forces to tell the story of the bookshop term movement and the sisters who are laying the foundation for generations of female entrepreneurs. Then we speak to Naja Jenkins, who shed light on the tech and wealth gap present in Philadelphia in her documentary, which breaks down why it is so important for every student to have hashtag equal access. Oh, this episode will be the product of this perfect union between Black Star and Philadelphia, and we can't wait to get into it. But first, let's get into this round of Philly Faves. And today's topic,
1: just on your favorite place to watch a movie outside. Rachel, Ooh, you go first. I'm definitely going with the Philadelphia
2: Film Society. They have screenings at the Navy Yard. but oh, that's it, the
1: drive-in that they started.
2: Yes. And so believe it or not, the hotel that's there, the Courtyard by Marriott South, yeah. they have a really cool hotel package going on. It's their drive-in movie package. And you actually get a recyclable little bag with movie snacks and candy and tickets oh, nice. for like four. So you should check that out. It's pretty cool. Laia.
0: Okay, so it's been a long time since I went to the movies outside since the jerk. I know that might not be there anymore, but I am looking forward to going to Clark Park because big ups to West Philly. They host a Friday night movie screening. And this week they are hosting Black Panther. I love it. And it's Black Star Weekend. You see how that all goes together? (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Mine is Laurel Hill Cemetery. Oh. Let me tell you about watching a movie outside in a cemetery. Do you yeah. tell. It's scary <laughs> yeah. and it's dark outside.
2: Wait, really? so do you typically like bring chairs or are you in up your car and you're driving up? How do you navigate no, you that? You can set up on the lawn. It's very okay. nice.
1: Not but on any scary. graves.
2: It's not like just October or no.
1: Halloween. Yeah, they it's they year round. It. It's usually the summer they do it. Okay. Oh,
0: oh man, well, that's well, an so adventure. I didn't even know that was that many places. I love it. All right, Philly, Let's get into the show. Y'all ready? Do it. We're ready. Yeah. Rashad M. Hardnett is an Emmy award-winning documentary cinematographer and visual artist. And Aiden M. Un is a French-Korean American filmmaker and photographer. Through a twist of fate, Aiden and Rashad wound up living on the same block in West Philadelphia and discovered that they shared a passion for filmmaking. This year, the duo joined forces during Black Star Film Festival to highlight Harriet's bookshop. For an iteration of Stories in Place, a series of shorts sponsored by Vimeo and MailChimp that document Black owned small businesses.
2: Can you tell us how the two of you guys met and how you first started to work on films together?
3: Oh, that's a whole story.
0: We like that's stories. What, well, that's
2: <laughs> we're that's here what for. we're here that's for. Story,
0: <laughs> give us a great Philadelphia story.
3: Oh, man. <laughs> I feel like it's got several beginnings, but the one
0: I feel like
2: we should be asking you guys separately and then you're going to have like two different answers, but go ahead.
3: (laughs) Well, I was working on a beautiful project back in 2018 to 2019, and we were working on a media exhibition that showcased some of the culture and the history as it relates to a research tradition in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had done some of the archiving for that project. And Rashad came to the media exhibition in his role with the Philadelphia Inquirer and was promptly told not to film.
4: (laughs) (laughs) They were like, oh, I'm glad that you're here, but it's not going to happen. I came there on a story that we were looking to do about Yoruba traditions and met Aiden who was filming there, and was like, oh, we should actually link up. Fast forward, basically come to find out we were both in the same neighborhood and I ended up moving still in West Philly, but literally on the same block. What? <laughs> like I walk outside, I cross the street and I am at-
3: Aiden's <laughs> <half. laughs>
4: So it really just became like, I don't know, just like a fluid process of like, okay, you're doing a lot of storytelling and documentary work. I'm doing the same thing. We're both really interested in documentary and also in like questioning- some of the traditional forms of documentary and trying to do things a little bit differently.
1: How, Um, like what's the differences? I do want to hear that, yeah.
4: So I think one of the things is this idea of even like finding an interview as spine, like as a storytelling device, Mm. where like you'll have an interview It's kind of like a talking head. They'll be positioned according to like the rule of thirds. They'll be looking off to the side, at a nameless non-existent person. And that would be like the spine to the documentary and you'd be able to use it as a voiceover or like just to be able to go back to that kind of shot throughout. And one of the things we were talking about for this film is: does that structure make sense? Like what is the story really about that we wanna work on and does it fit this traditional mold? What are the other storytelling devices that you can use as spines, other than this traditional thing,
0: I noticed that even when you did do the traditional, look at me spine. I <laughs> was <what> to
4: say
2: <laughs> real Hollywood of the Hollywood one like, yeah.
0: with Janine and Jasmine. But at the same time, they're putting on their makeup, like they're getting ready. It's a different mm-hmm. than just like the simple background shot, and they're speaking to the camera, and they're done. And then you take them
3: out on the streets as people who are interested in making images. I think when you meet somebody. Who's also in that process? I think you can tell pretty immediately if you're on the same wavelength of sensibility in terms of, you know, like how you would document a scene, how you would show a person a place. And I remember one of the moments I knew that me and Rashad were really gonna click is that after our first day of shooting for this film, we were looking through our takes and there were moments when I was like, I can't tell if I shot this or if he Very shot good. this. Wow. So I think that's just rightly to say that we have an understanding of how we want to depict it's deeper than that though
1: because it's not just about the angle and how you're standing it's how you see things you know and it's the story you're telling it's not just what it seems like through your eyes it's a lot more
3: yeah and when you're working on a set and you don't have to you know spend time trying to communicate that which can be very hard and and it's kind of an elusive thing right to like try to take an image that's in your mind and to put it into somebody else's brain it can be very difficult but if they have that same image
0: in their (laughs) mind that makes it less debates and arguments because y'all are just on a different vibe and and y'all have a rhythm yeah Yeah. Yeah. what inspired
2: you to tell this story
4: wow it's funny because that really does go into the same conversation like i had already been working with janine Because I had, for the Philadelphia Inquirer, I did a video that was documenting her like grand opening of the bookstore. So I was there when she was first opening in February of 2020. And her essentially telling me, everybody covered this, right? Like local news was there. All of the broadcast stations were there. But your video specifically felt like a true depiction of a lot of my story, or at least what she had shared with me. And so months down the line, when I saw that there was this opportunity to apply to a grant with Vimeo and MailChimp to highlight a Black-owned business specifically, Harriet's was the first one that came to mind. I called up Aiden and I talked to Janine and both of them were just like, absolutely, let's do this. The grant ended up coming through. And I think the thing about Aiden and I is that like, we wouldn't, we, hmm, Aiden has a lot of projects that he is constantly working on and, you know, as do I. So like anytime we're we're looking to take on a project, there are like really central questions that you have to ask. What is this really about? What are we really getting at? Like Mm -hmm. on the surface, sure this can be like a film that's portraying the uniqueness of a black owned bookstore in Philly. But what really makes this special is Janine. I mean, I think that we had certain ideas going into it that ended up, changing as we started to film and spend more time. But initially I was thinking like, oh, you know, it's been a whole pandemic and she's basically activated her space in relationship to this movement. Mm -hmm. And it has become like a central resistance point really, showing up at different protests, handing out books for free. So I think we had like that in mind, but then spending more time with her, there was a lot more on her mind that ended up being revealed about autonomy, about ownership. And I think that's kind of like the spirit that just moved us to kind of look at things with a deeper lens.
0: She is the perfect black business in a way and she seems like she should be a goal for most people in the sense of how she covers all these spaces of activism at the same time of entrepreneurship and literacy.
2: Also as a female wearing yeah. so many different hats, that's what really resonated with me when you saw her getting ready and putting on the makeup, but then still being a warrior and you hit so many different levels on things that if you just saw her on the street, you don't know what's behind and what's in her mind and what she's thinking about and what she went through that day. It was really special. In a
0: year where most people stayed at home, let me ask y'all this. Let's talk about this music and how it is so essential to telling this story, how you guys decided who would be your partner in this? And can we talk about Faith, the violinist, yes. who I knew from being on 18th and Walnut Street, banging on her violin, just killing it. Talk about it. Please. Oh,
4: you already yes. knew about her. That's yes.
0: I mean. When I saw her name at the end, I was like, wait a minute. I posted a video of her on Instagram and tagged Rachel and Justin in it forever ago.
4: Oh my God.
0: Yes.
4: Yeah, we were already, so we were shooting and there's an event that Janine was doing. She was calling Sunday Services Mm -hmm. and she was having different poets come. And you do see like this scene in the film where there is a poet who's kind of speaking on the sidewalk to folks who've gathered, but she makes like a whole event out of it
3: Mm -hmm.
4: outside the shop. And on this day, I remember it was like cold as hell. It was like frigid, right? And... One of the people that she had, Faith
3: the Violinist,
4: was performing. Yeah.
3: And we just heard her play a little bit. And I remember I just turned her aside, and I was like, we got to get her to record something for the soundtrack because her whole vibe and the musical sensibility that she brought To the Mm -hmm. whole event, you know, it felt really perfect in terms of the mood of our film, right? Like there was a lightness and an innocence a little bit, but it comes from somewhere maybe like deeper and darker. And we thought that that was the right vibe and the right energy for our film. Even Even in your delivery
0: of the score, it's not like an average documentary, I swear. It's mm -hmm. like the score is a part of this film. It's important.
4: It's about letting Uh go. It's about recognizing when like spirit is moving through something.
0: Just about to and, say it was a spirit. I could feel yeah. the spirit. Yes. Could you the feel
4: that when it. you were shooting it? Hmm. I don't know how you feel about this, Aiden, but <laughs> I kind of feel like when you're behind the camera, for me anyway, I'm very much zoned in. You know, I'm very much zoned into like what's happening mechanically. And it's not always in those moments that you feel it. Sometimes it's in the moments outside of that. It's in the conversations that you have in pre-production. It's like the time that you spent when the camera is down, learning who people are, what really motivates them, why they do what they do. The time that you spend with your collaborators talking about what's the vision, like why are we really doing this? Or even the time that you spend, like in this case with Faith, being like, This is the idea that we're going for. This is the feeling that we have for this part of the film. And we want you to be as creative as you are to feel your way through it. And then let's go from there, right? Like, there's a looseness to it.
0: Yo, can you guys talk about how being from Philly, working in Philly, doing this piece about an amazing Philadelphia business movement, and then being a Black star? Can you talk about the circleness of that and how that feels?
4: It's kind of surreal. Because Janine, I mean, it's a very Philly story. There's only so many Black-owned bookstores in Philly. And then to find out that one of them is, it's in a vulnerable place, right? Because she doesn't own this building. Yet. Yet, right. yet, yes. yet.
3: <laughs> right? Thank you. Like Good right. right, in that moment. I just want to say it's a huge honor to be a part of Black Star. You know, I think it's a festival that, has just supported so, so many filmmakers, not just in Philly, but really across the world. I mean, just in the years that I've been going and that I've been working with the festival, I've seen many filmmakers who've come and then who've come back and been charged and recharged and really grow their art form. But from what I can see, they, we always come back to Blackstar and that's like the home base. You know, I mean, I see some people in that festival, like, Terrence Nance, right? Terrence
0: Nance comes back. Worldwide
3: now, but like, I I mean, like I've seen him come to the festival and say like, I made this for Blackstar, right? Like I made this for the audience here.
0: Even Ava DuVernay, she started, she came back.
3: Right. And I think that that's just a beautiful thing, right? That like, no matter how big your success or your reach could be, you continue to be about the people who grew you and the people who supported you. There's probably a connection there to how Janine, you know, operates and how she does her business. It definitely feels like there's the same energy. Right, that she doesn't lose track, no matter, you know, how far her reach is or who comes there or why, or the amount of advertisement that she gets. She doesn't lose track of why she first started that bookshop and what the mission of the bookshop is. That's a Philly thing. Yeah, for sure.
0: Congratulations,
4: guys. This thing is dope, so dope. That means so much.
1: I'm happy that people like you are telling Philadelphia stories.
4: Yes! Yes. Thank you guys so much. It really means a lot. And I'm glad that it's resonating with you.
1: Okay, hers new fire
2: potato chips and cheese curls. They are spicy. Whew, they're hottest snacks yet, hold on. Whew. but you know, it's not just heat. There's some nice sweet and savory stuff going on too. Ooh, there's that heat again. It burns, but it burns so tasty. Ooh, that's hot. Find Her's Fire Snacks at your store today. Whew, taste the flavor, feel the heat, break out the Her's.
0: In school during the pandemic, the issue of equitable access to the internet came to the forefront. Philly students, teachers, and organizers came together to make their voices heard, to see that all students' grades K through 12 have access to the internet, calling it a basic and necessary right to live and succeed in a modern city. Naja Jenkins documented the rally cry to lawmakers and big business, resulting in her Black Star Film
5: Festival feature, From Digital Divide to Digital
1: Equity. Naja, tell us how you got started in film.
5: So it started in high school. I started out as a photographer. I still do photography, but I started out on the high school yearbook and I started out as the main photographer right before people started rolling in. That was really awesome. I got really inspired to start photography. And then I went to college, Temple Tyler School of Art for mm-hmm. visual studies at first. And then I hated it because like I was really good at illustration, but it wasn't something that I wanted to do as a profession. So I changed my major to media studies and production. And that was how I got introduced to film. And that was a really good start, but then I had to drop out of college, unfortunately, but I still made do with it. And that was when I contacted an old high school friend. His name is Alex Martre and he is CEO of Big Picture Alliance. And he was like, well, yeah, you want to make films? Let's, Let's do it. So, I made my first documentary film. So, how did you guys hook up? I, I originally met him in high school. My friends were all in the program at first before I was. I was just real newsy. And I just came in, like, what y'all doing? And like,
1: Rachel's laughing because so is she.
5: I'm, I'm always <laughs> like, wait a minute,
2: tell me, am I missing right. out on something?
5: And like, I was too busy with yearbook my senior year. So I definitely was just peeking in every now and again. But my best friend was there in Big Picture Alliance. And then when we graduated, I contacted Alex again because I was just like, I definitely want to just start making films like I'm not in school anymore, but I still want to, you know, follow my dream. And he was like, OK, well, let's make your first film and let's see where we go from there. I made what was first. the
2: name of the first film?
5: The first documentary film was called WIP, W-I-P. And it was about like a little bit of graffiti history in Philadelphia and also what I know about graffiti in current day in Philadelphia. And I interviewed a close friend of mine named Moody. He's a really talented artist, just like musically, but he also does graffiti in his spare time. And I just wanted to like capture that because I I have like a secret love affair with graffiti. Like I try to imitate it and stuff like that, but I'm not (laughs) the best
0: at it. So Najee, can we get some Philly vitals from you? Like, what part of Philly do you rep
5: and what high school was this that mm-hmm. had access oh. to these kind of programs? I mean, some people don't call it Philly, but I rep Uptown. <laughs> I've been, like, in, like, Sheltonham-ish, like, my entire life. I and, mean,
1: um... Allentown's not Philly. Right. Well, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Sheltonham's
5: Philly. For sure. And, like, I also grew up in different parts of North Philly with my dad and everything. But my high school was New Media Technology Charter School. They do not exist anymore, which breaks my little heart. <gasps> but I love my high school. And but you had a great Philly. experience. Yep, and we were the last graduating class, so we went out with a bang for sure. When you did your first film, that was before you even hit Temple, right? That was like after I hit Temple. That was like after I dropped out, because I was like, oh my God, I don't want to not do this anymore. So I had to like really keep my time occupied in a way. And Alex really came through with that. And now I've been with them for like the last five years. And then when
1: you say like drop out, and you talk about, unfortunately, like you found your path. That's just not everyone's path. Mm -hmm. Um, My brother was like that and ended up in production. need to learn on set. You yes. Like you learn by doing. College is for like certain lanes, mm-hmm. but you should be really proud that you took that experience and heightened it.
0: Don't downplay that. That's what Justin is trying to say. You're dope. Don't keep saying that dropout thing because what you did was you just you you took, took, a took a pivot. pivot.
2: And that's and all this pandemic has been about—the art of the pivot.
0: Two of the reasons that people go to college—you had covered networking and getting your experience. The experience, your, your experience. so yeah. moving on, you got to be somebody else's. <laughs> so mentor. we were
1: talking about pivoting, and what made you choose the digital divide at a time when the pandemic made everyone pivot, and it became such an issue. Yeah.
5: Well. The- pivot for me specifically with the pandemic was I was moving. I was saving up to move and I had finally moved out. And then like, I'm doing the adult thing, trying to put bills in my name. And I'm like, how do you get internet? Like, how do you do that? So I had to figure out how to get internet. And I was seeing all these astronomical prices. I'm like, I'm not paying for that. So (laughs) I had to figure out how to find affordable internet. Alex, once again, he was just like, hey, do you know about Xfinity Internet Essentials? And he showed me that, and I was like, Are "You kidding me? Twelve dollars for internet? This is awesome!" <laughs> so I started paying for it, and then once I started having my meetings, we meet in a group called ViaLux Team Media Collective. I'm kind of like an alum staff. Basically, we were just trying to formulate ideas for what to talk about because the pandemic kind of hit BPA really hard. We're all pretty young and a lot of us were transitioning from schools and just getting into like the job world and stuff. At first, when we tried to talk about all this stuff and like what we were going to do project wise, a lot of us didn't even want to do it. Yeah, it's stupid. We can't go out. We can't talk to people. And then everything just started exploding, like all the protests, everything that kind of mattered got pushed in everybody's faces. The biggest thing that I asked myself when all this stuff was happening was, what am I going to say? when I'm like 30 or 40 years old, they're just like, dang, remember when so-and-so happened? And I'm just like, yeah, I was there on the sideline. Like, no, I don't want to I actually want to join the the movement. I joined the movement. So once all that happened, we divided up causes that were important to us. And specifically with the internet, it was so hard getting at first, literally trying to go around and talk to people and like call people. I'm getting a whole bunch of robots. It was like ridiculous. It was like nobody wanted to talk to me. I can't imagine what it's like to have four or five plus kids Trying to go to school in a household and nobody knows how to get internet. It should be a lot easier than it actually is. And even when I moved again, this is like my second time moving. It was just so hard to get somebody on the phone Mm. and to like actually be personable with you people were just trying to like, you know, shove you around. I didn't really appreciate that. I mean, I right, the tea, but
2: like... the hardest thing I feel like <laughs> anytime you're dealing with technology, when people are making assumptions that you should know the language, you should know the jargon and yeah. not taking it from a place of understanding or empathy that, oh, wait, let me explain to you. Or if you don't use this one keyword, you can never get to that next stage. That's ridiculous.
5: It was just really bad. The pandemic hit a lot things really terribly, which is like, again, why I made this film, because when I got my internet, I had to install it myself. <laughs> so. Right, that part can't get nobody come in your house, nobody wants to, right. And then I had to have people come out again, because I didn't have this freaking cord that, I don't, I don't know anything about any of this, so it was just like, the idea of me putting it in myself, something I'm not trained to do, is just kind of Ridiculous. Some of the people that appear
2: in the film, is it through this organization and your networking? How did you get so many of these advocates involved in it and to agree to appear in
5: the film as well? The crazy part is we had connections with MAP, the Movement Alliance Project. We were in the same building at one point before the pandemic. We literally shared the same office and we never really got to work with each other until the pandemic hit. We thought it was kind of like a perfect opportunity. And then with the Philly Student Union, they're also really great because they work with local schools and they, too, have Partnered with BPA a few times, I believe, just trying to get other causes out there. With like the whole Black Lives Matter movement that was happening, they were focusing on social justice in schools and policing in schools. And Helen Jim, I love Helen. (laughs) And it was really great having her part of the project because she kind of like put a stamp on it. Like she validated our voices throughout this entire project because. She was also there, you know, marching right alongside us, trying to go up to Comcast and like give them our demands and giving a voice to the people. Shout out to Spiral Q. They were the ones who made all these really huge, beautiful props. They use art to basically touch on social justice. And it's Mm. awesome. Like everybody's just so awesome. I love every single one of these programs. Can you talk about what's it like making
0: a film during COVID? What was the physical challenges that you had that you wouldn't normally have?
5: Well, right before the pandemic hit, I was actually making a my first narrative film and it was supposed to be a horror movie and we got to do <sighs> casting. I got my script workshopped, and all this other great stuff. We location scouted. And then the pandemic hit. (laughs) And then I was just like, I want to make something. Mm. I didn't feel like just waiting for the world to pause and wait to go back into actual like filmmaking. Good for you. (laughs) Thank you. With that being said, shooting this film, it wasn't as glamorous. You know, I didn't have all the set designs and all that crazy stuff, but it definitely put me closer with my mentors because my mentors understood that we had things that we wanted to do. So even if they had to drive to where you were, to help us work out the things that we needed to work out, they were willing to do that. I basically had to do a lot of the acting, I had to do a lot of the voiceovers, I a loved lot of your the voice interviews. In I'm still getting used. to
3: Nobody
1: likes the sound of their own voice. It's something about the way our ears are built. And
5: Mm. how
2: exciting is it that you have a film that is in the Black Star Film Festival? Who would have thought? So come on, like it may not have been the type of piece you initially planned, but this sounds like this is bigger. This is bigger. The
5: fact that you're here, like that's pretty cool. Please talk about that and your relationship with Black Star. Honestly, like I, it was either Sundance or Black Star. I wanna take yes. to once I actually made a film. Yes. And then with BPA, basically a part of the mentorship and a part of the program is that they help you apply to film festivals. And I didn't even know that they put my film in Blackstar and they just emailed me, like, yeah, you made it. And I was like, wait, what, like, what are you talking about? And they were like, yeah, you made it to Blackstar. And it took literally like a month for it to hit. Cause I was like, what do you mean? Like, what am I going to do? Am <laughs> just I attended voted the or?
2: coolest film festival. Like that's like pretty exciting.
5: Yeah, because actually, like the month before, I was told I was going to be in Black Star. I had went to like another film festival that was one that I hadn't coordinated like beforehand. Any film festival that I was in, I had helped coordinate. I went to Ambler this year, and then I came home and they emailed me about it. And now I'm doing all this press for Black Star that I've been meeting so many different people like that's the best part about just sitting in like the rooms with all the filmmakers there's some people from you know Switzerland and Argentina or uh, you know I'm just right now I'm just like pulling different countries out but it was just so cool to see everybody in one room and to know that I'm in there with it <laughs> and that you're a
2: part of that family you know that's <laughs> yeah. that's a big deal with other directors and filmmakers and it doesn't matter your age it doesn't matter your background but you bring something so special to the table to be included in this
0: that feeling and <laughs> being amongst these folks and this environment is like no other i can't wait to see your film at black Star, so i'm excited yeah. I'm working on that yeah, for
1: you
5: well, I'm actually working on my first narrative film again. Summer. I not unfortunately, no. That's still on pause. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's still on pause, but it's definitely gonna be something that I want to go back to because it was just an awesome idea. Okay. But Um, I have another awesome idea, and I want this one <laughs> come to life. A narrative film called Growth. It is about a. College senior and her houseplant. The part about the houseplant is the part that catches everybody off guard. (laughs) So I try to like. It's intriguing. Yeah, now I want to know more. Yeah. So the college senior, her name is Kira. She is living through the pandemic, and the way that she copes with the pandemic is making friends with her houseplant. And her houseplant (gasps) is basically, you know, helping her through this journey of her senior year. Mm graduating through the pandemic with no real graduation that. and things like that. So I'm oh. really excited. I talk to my plant. I like that. I have I too many you. plants. I have a total of eight, I believe. There's two in my bathroom. There's three in my bedroom and there's one right behind me. She got Aww. one in the bathroom. That's serious. That's serious.
1: Yeah, The y'all. humidity yeah. is really
5: good. They're really, really good for the plants. Can
0: I, ask I have one, you one go- in the
1: bathroom too, Laia?
0: Oh, do you now? Yeah. Well, what yeah. kind is it, Justin? <laughs>
1: I don't know. It's like,
0: uh,
2: <laughs> I, I just have, <laughs> I, was gonna say, I have green. some lavender that I put up so that when the shower steams and you can oh, get that of a whole spa situation. i feeling it. it
0: over there. Naja, can I ask can you put us on to something that you're watching or something that you've watched recently and you're like, yo, I wish that everybody would see this joint. It was so dope.
5: I'm a really big fan of Big Mouth. I know that the show can be- yo, uh, okay. It's so funny. Okay. It's hilarious, but like people always can't get past the fact that it's so vulgar, but people do not understand that is what middle school is like, Mm -hmm. like middle school to high school. And that's the part about childhood development that people don't like to acknowledge. Like I actually did a senior project in high school about how there is a big necessity for sexual education. There are so many things that people don't know about their body that we should like. like, Oh girl. Yes. It's wild, but Big mouth for sure.
0: <laughs> okay, I
5: passed by Big Mouth here, but before, but I'm
0: gonna stop. It next is time.
1: very funny. Where can we follow you? You can
5: follow me on Instagram at ntj.photography. <laughs> Please do follow Philly Student Union and the Movement Alliance Project, Big Picture Alliance, all on Instagram. That's where most of my work will reside on Big Picture Alliance. But yeah, NTJ Photography on Instagram. I do not. I love it. I love Facebook. your photos. <laughs> I love your use of shadows. <gasps> You've noticed. Oh my God! Thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I hope photographer's daughter. So yeah, I see those shadows, girl. Thank you so much. I know we all look forward
1: to your journey. Like absolutely, we love yeah. You th- like I the mean, beginning. there's big things coming.
0: Okay, folks. So that's all we got for you today. We hope that you feel as full as we do. First and foremost, let me thank my partners in crime, Justin and Rachel, and our amazing guests, Rashad, Aiden, and Naja for this special Black Star edition of Love & Grit.
2: A huge congratulations to the Black Star Film Festival for
1: their 10th anniversary and for being the coolest film festival. It's not just us who thinks it's cool. MovieMaker.com said Black Star Film Fest is the coolest. And you can find out everything about it by going to blackstarfest.org. And you can find out about Love & Grit by listening to us wherever you get your podcasts or follow us on Instagram at lovebritphilly. Thanks for joining us.